Welcome to Subway Sports Talk. Dan, 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 clear of the closing doors, please. Right, here we go, Subway Sports Talk. My name is Peter Kennedy, and I am your host. Thank you, as always, for joining me on Apple Podcasts, app, Spotify, or anywhere you listen to podcasts. Today's an awesome episode. Just That's just what it is. Football is back. It's still kind of blowing my mind, but with every fantasy draft, I'm wrapping my head around it, and I'm having fun, and I'm excited for Thursday night. Who else could I have with me but Jake Asman from Sports Map Radio down in Houston talking every single day from 9A to 11 a oh, I almost said P there. My time's all. I'm I'm nervous, Jake. You know, the Eastern Standard Time, Central Time. It's throwing me off. But nine A to eleven A, Jake Asman, Sports Bat Radio. What's up, dude? Well, Pete, thanks for having me. It feels like we we just did a, a preview pod, and then we were talking out there. The preview pod we did was two seasons ago, and, and my mind is blown to how you know, how fast time is moving here. But I, I still get my time zones confused all the time, and I and I. You know, I'm on the radio every day teasing segments at certain times, and then I'm like adding an hour or subtracting an hour. So <laughs> I, I'm all over the place. In fact, when I go on vacation back to New York, where I'm from, as you know, you know, I, I still add an hour. I'm like, oh, the you know, the the Rockets play tonight at, at nine Eastern, so I could be back in New York and set to watch the game. And I'm like adding an hour. I'm like, wait, no, I don't need to add anything. I'm back in Eastern time zone, so it still throws me off, dude. Especially in a time of quarantine where time doesn't exist anyway. You know, time is just irrelevant at this point in life. I don't know if it was six months ago we last talked on a pod. If it was two years ago, I have no idea. We spoke somewhere in between. On the pod, I don't even know. So time's irrelevant, except for the fact that 9A to 11A Eastern Standard Time, you could hear Jake Asman on Sports Map Radio, which is also a new thing for you. And funny, we had this little conversation because last time we did the preview pod, you had more or less just gotten to Houston. Not that you had just gotten there, but you were within a year of arriving. And now look at us, you know, a couple of years later, and it's been weird, I'm sure, for you not being able to be at these Rockets playoff games, be at Texans camp. So, A, how has it been doing a show now every single day where you can't get that insight that you've had for the past two years or watch it in person or what having your rockets, not your rockets, but your city's rockets in the playoffs. And now the Texans a couple of days away from starting the NFL season. Yeah. From a local standpoint, it's been a big adjustment, not covering playoff games and not being out of training camp because the, the show I do on sports map is a national show. So not being able to go to the rockets games or Texans, that's okay because you know, the show is not just only on Houston sports, but when I do get a chance to fill in locally or go out and report, you know, doing it through Zoom is just not the same thing as being at training camp and seeing the ones go against the ones and seeing how, you know, the undrafted rookies are doing to see if there's going to be a spot open for someone to make the team. You kind of miss out on that when it, you know, relates to football. So it's definitely been odd. You know, I haven't been to any sporting event since late February. The last sporting event I, I covered, and I really went as a fan. We did our radio show from from Radio Row leading up to the Wilder Fury fight in Vegas. So and we did two days of shows, if you even want to call it like work. And then we got to you know, hang out in Vegas for a couple of days and watch a huge fight. That was the last like thing I ever covered and the last thing I was ever at. So since then, it's just been odd watching things on TV, doing Zoom press conferences with coaches in the local Houston area and players. And uh, it's certainly going to be a weird season, but I- I'm just so pumped that football's here and-, and there's certainly a whole lot to talk about with the new year. Once we get to Thursday, it'll feel semi-normal because football you know obviously I would say most people watch from their couch it's an amazing television product it's incredible so once we get to sit down and watch a game and then sit down on Sunday and watch all the games 
Uh, it's it's going to feel really good, and we're going to talk all about that stuff. What we're going to do on today's episode in a minute is talk about the season from the perspective of overs and unders in the NFL. It's a great way to kind of gauge who we have some high expectations on and also who may disappoint us a bit. So we will get into that, but I do have another question for you. Uh, just kind of in regards to, you just mentioned your your time at Radio Row. I just need, it's kind of not even a question. It's more of a shout out to you. You have racked up some incredible guests on your show. And you can find Jake's stuff, by the way, at Jake Asman on Twitter and Instagram, at Jake Asman Show on Twitter and Instagram. The guest list that you are accruing, my friend, is quite impressive. Can can you just talk about what it, well, first of all, who is the, num- the first guy that you were like, holy hell, this guy's on my show right now. Who Who's that guy? Uh, I'd probably have to go back to college for that one. Uh, it was either Joe Buck or Bob Costas. So, Ooh, so you're keeping uh, it in Bob, the industry there. Yeah, so B- Bob Costas was before the Joe Buck interview. Joe Buck happened when I was still in school. I was in Houston, ironically enough, where I live now, at, at a radio row, Ithaca College, where I, I spent my four years as an undergrad. They were kind enough my senior year to send us to Radio Row, and we were able to get a one-off with Joe Buck off to the side. And, and this was you know days before he was about to call the Patriots-Falcons Super Bowl from a couple of years ago. So totally surreal to interview him. And then, you know, I, I mentioned Bob Costas because, you know, four years ago at this time, I was just getting back from, from Rio covering the Olympics with NBC as intern. And I had, you know, a nice relationship I developed with Costas, you know, working at NBC and kind of being around him where I reached out after the Olympics ended to his assistant and, and said, Hey, you know, I was an intern. I worked with Bob. I'd love to see if he had a couple minutes to join my radio show. And, and you know, I was some college kid reaching out, but because of that relationship, you know, he agreed to come on and we did like a 15 minute spot and it was so surreal to be in college, you know, interviewing someone that I've like idolized in the business growing up. So those are always the two that come to my mind as far as, um, you know, guests I've had on, but, you know, since I've been at, at sports map radio, you know, formerly SB nation radio now sports map radio, I, I've been fortunate from talking to, you know, Deandre Hopkins and JJ Watt to, you know, Jamal Adams and, you know, the backstreet boys or Martha Stewart. So yeah, we've had a, a bunch of massive guests on our radio row the last couple of years, and uh, it's it's certainly you know a huge uh, perk of the job when you get a chance to interview some of these famous people and, and get a one on one with them and really get to you know experience their personalities instead of just being in a press conference scrum where you don't really right. get that access. And, and now, I've, obviously, I've been keeping an eye on your career and, and follow your stuff and, and listen to your segments that you post online and check yourself out all the time. But there was one guy who you haven't even mentioned yet that when I saw his name pop up on your feed, I was like, oh snap. Joe Montana, dude. <laughs> Joe Montana, like perhaps <laughs> the, yeah. what is it? The second greatest quarterback in the history of the sport. I mean, sorry, he's not number one. It's probably Tom Brady, but Joe Montana on the Jake Asman show, dude. What was that yeah. like talking to a living legend? Surreal, because I, I would say the the majority of the great interviews I've done, you know, for the most part. It's in person, you know, at a remote, at Radio Row or at another event we're doing the show from. Um, you know, the thing that made, you know, Montana so unique is you very rarely get those type of athletes on the phone. Like, they don't usually do radio hits. So, when the opportunity came about to have him on the show, because he was doing something with Guinness. So, I, I had a relationship with someone at Guinness that reached out and said, hey, do you want Joe Montana on your show? And I'm like, <laughs> I'm like, I'm like, you really have to ask? Of course yeah, I want Joe just Montana. Just tell me, just tell me when, all right? <laughs> so to get him on was awesome. At the beginning of the interview, we edited a lot of it out on the podcast. But, you know, the first, like, two minutes, his phone dropped. And I'm like, oh, no, are we going to lose him? I'm going to look like the biggest, you know, A bleep for teasing that we're going to have this guy on. And, and his phone drops out. And, and people are going to think, oh, we did something. And it looked bad. And 
you know, thankfully he called back and we figured it out. But what made that interview so special was that he was a really good guest once we got the Guinness, you know, PR stuff out of the way. Mm-hmm. But and when he actually like weighed in on Tom Brady leaving Tampa, he revealed in the interview with me that him and Brady had a conversation at the NFL 100 ceremony before the Super Bowl in Miami uh, this past year. And Brady revealed to him that he was unhappy in New England, that he wanted more control over personnel, basically. And him and Belichick didn't see eye to eye on some stuff. And, you know, for him to say that on my show, that then blew up and was covered on basically every, you know, national media outlet out there um, because it's such a big story with Brady, of course, leaving. And I'm sure we'll talk more about this in the pod, you know, Brady leaving to go to Tampa. So for Montana to say that and for, you know, all these news sites to cover the interview, you know, they had to say appearing on the Jake Asman show, Joe yes. Montana said so. Definitely a surreal moment to have him over the phone and then to, you know, ask, I guess, the right question to get him to reveal that about Brady. Well, that was certainly huge for promoting the show. Who, who was it? Was it McAfee? McAfee did uh, a Pat whole. McAfee played it on his show. Colin Cowherd played it on his. Um, oh, you got, it, you got on the herd? Yeah, the herd. Dude, how did I miss so, that? I have the herd on the background right now. Yeah, so, uh, you know, I, I interned at Fox Sports Radio as a junior in college, and uh, one of the guys I used to work with sent me an email. He's like, hey, FYI, I think the Herd's going to be playing your cut today on the show. And I'm like, sweet, that's awesome. <laughs> that you is know, pretty cool. Kind of full circle right there. But, yeah, I mean, Bleach Report wrote about it at ESPN. Um, you know, Felger and Maz in Boston, the number one show there, played and talked about it. So, really cool moment. And, you know, I can't thank Joe Montana for, you know, being so honest in the conversation. He could have just said, oh, you know, Tom, looking for a new challenge and, and that's it. But you know, he revealed that he had a conversation with him and that, and that was newsy. So that was, that was awesome, man. That's what it's all about, right? Like you're out there trying to make your guests as comfortable as possible. You're trying to not just ask him the same thing he's been asked a million times. And you obviously did a well enough job to make him say something that had some meaning, had some thought behind it, And that's freaking awesome. So Jake Aspen, I mean, if that doesn't get you to want to, you know, go check out on someone, James stuff, Jake stuff. I mean, just saying like, come on, we're talking Joe Montana over here. <laughs> you're, you're like my hype man. Pete. I appreciate it. Dude, I'm just saying I, I'm over here just impressed and thrilled to see what you're doing. So it, I'd be hard pressed to not give you a little love. You know what I'm saying? I appreciate that, man. It means a lot. You know, you and I go back to our, our fan days together and, you know, uh, I, I always respected the heck out of your grind. The fact that, you know, you have a full-time gig, you're doing well, you have a great girlfriend and you're living oh. life and you're in your mid twenties. And here you are grinding on a Sunday morning at the fan as your second job. So uh, much respect to you, my friend. I appreciate that. I appreciate that. And what time is it? I don't even know. Do I have to do work right now? No, it's okay. We're talking football. Uh, <laughs> we got, we got NFL stuff. Work from home stuff, by the way, we're doing a podcast like midday on a Tuesday oh. as we take this and like, who cares about work? It's work from home life. Do you know, you know what I'm saying? I just got to get that, that stuff done grinding on, on the other stuff, the day job, the, the podcast grind. It's a little crazy. Like you said, time, or I said before, I guess, Time is, is what now? I have no idea what time means anymore. So we're just doing yeah, I, our best and having fun. You say you save a lot of time not having to commute, so you get extra time to do some podcast. <laughs> That's what I'm talking about. And uh, before we get to football, because we are, obviously are going to now be crushing football for the rest of this episode, I just I can't not ask you about the Rockets right now or the Lakers-Rockets series in general. Uh, obviously, you've adopted Houston as a second home for you. Not that it would be, you know, your team or your Rockets, but you have uh, a closeness to the organization that I don't have because you've been in the locker rooms, you've been around the team. You're also in the town of Houston. Uh, What's the feeling? How much frustration is pushed at Westbrook right now? Is there uh, more of Harden just coming up short, being the choker that so many people want to label him? What's the vibe in Houston around, around the Rockets? I think it's very mixed. I think there's a, there's a contingent of Rockets fans that genuinely believe that Houston is better off with the small ball, that they match up well with the Lakers, that they could actually win the series. And then there's a, you know, the other side of the coin where there's a lot of fans that don't believe 
and James Harden. They put a lot of the struggles in the playoffs over the last few years. Well, not really struggles, but just not being able to get really over the hump, I should say. They put that on Harden. I think some of that's unfair. Some of it is warranted when you're the guy that's won the MVP, when you're routinely scoring, you know, 35 points a game. You have to deliver in the playoffs. Otherwise, that narrative is going to is going to follow you. We're seeing Giannis now go through it, too, with what's happened in his series. You know, when you – you know, we, we've kind of seen this trajectory in the NBA before where, you know, you're the new kid on the block, you have this great rise, you win the MVP, maybe you do it again, you put up all these numbers, but if you don't win in the playoffs right away, you automatically start getting criticized. And, oh, you know, is he not good enough to lead a team to a championship? So we've seen this before. I mean, could you imagine if Twitter was around in the late 80s when Jordan was – putting up all these numbers in, in the first round, but not getting past the Pistons or the Celtic team. So, uh, so I, I think with Harden, he's a very polarizing player nationally, but he's very polarizing even in the city. I think some love him. Some don't like his game. To me, Harden's not the issue. The Rockets are going to beat Houston. Westbrook's got to be more consistent in this series. He just does. I mean, he's good in game one. They win. He's bad in game two. And they almost overcome it, but you know, his liabilities, you know, shooting threes, that, that's a major issue. And, and they basically redesigned his offense for him. They went small ball to create spacing in the lane for him. He can't be taking eight three-pointers in a game. He's got to figure out, you know, what works for him from a mid-range standpoint. He's the only player on the team that's basically, you know, allowed to take mid-range right. shots. They, they redesigned the whole offense for him, basically. So he's got to play better if they're going to win the series. Yeah, and I think Russell Westbrook specifically, but both him and Harden are pretty lucky that they beat the Thunder. Very lucky. I mean, not that it was luck that got them there. I'm just saying what would have become if they lost to the OKC in that series. Because we forgot so quickly that Chris Paul was on the Rockets the past couple of years. And he was vital. And perhaps the reason they didn't make it to the finals because he got hurt. He was the lone man on the team in the past two seasons who was allowed, like you said, to break the mold, to shoot the mid-range, to take over uh, his own way and not just do the whole three-point layup free throw thing and it worked and he had them in a position to make it to the finals and beat the big dog right. warriors so yeah. what what would have happened if the thunder won the series houston would have been shredded to pieces and we would have been sitting here saying oh my gosh if chris paul was still in the rockets not only are they in that series or you know in the, in, the, in the conference finals they might be as good as the lakers and clippers yeah, I mean, if they lost that series, I mean, everything would have been on the table this offseason. I think D'Antoni would have been gone. I think D'Antoni might be gone regardless. I just from what I've heard and just the fact that he's a lame duck, I think it's no coincidence that Indiana decided to fire Nate McMillan and then immediately Woj is tweeting out that D'Antoni's a candidate. That doesn't just happen. And and Mike's from there, and, you know, I think that would actually make a lot of sense. But, you know, I, I think if they had lost that first-round series, you know, you're talking about everything being on the table this offseason. I think Daryl Morey maybe loses his job if that's the case. I don't think for a second Tillman Fertitta hasn't forgotten what Daryl Morey's tweet did to the NBA this year with the Hong Kong stuff. I mean, that cost the NBA and, and Tillman Fertitta in particular, whose businesses are huge in China because he owns the Rockets and the Rockets are the number one team in China because of the Yao connection from, you know, back in the 2000s. Like that, that is a huge storyline that's not being talked about right now. But I know for a fact, Daryl, uh, Daryl is absolutely on the hot seat with D'Antoni. So if they had lost that game seven, uh, I, I think there could have been major, major changes uh, to the entire organization. But because they won, you know, they get to live for another day. And I think all the pressure is obviously now on the Lakers. And I think in game one, you saw the Rockets come out and, and play more free and, and play with less stress. You saw Harden take more shots and be aggressive because he didn't get tight knowing that it was all on him. So, you know, we'll see what happens the rest of the series. But I do think, you know, that for the Rockets to win, it comes down to Westbrook. And if Westbrook plays really well, you have to know that 
you know, other guys like a PJ Tucker or an Eric Gordon can hit some shots when they're open because they're going to get open looks because of Harden. And, and, and you hope that's enough if you're the Rockets. And I mean, I, I just, not to just echo everything you said, but dude, D'Antoni most likely out and Maury, if he's gone, I'll be sad on the sense that he is clearly a talented GM who knows what the hell he's doing, has a plan, sticks to it. Like, if he gets fired, any team with a GM hole is calling him right away, and teams with GMs already in place are saying, well, if we can get Daryl in here. Yeah, I mean, the Knicks <laughs> should be, Leon Rose should be like, James, I know you hired me to run the team, but what if yeah. we hired Daryl? And I oh my gosh, with- I would have a parade. We should have a parade if the Knicks hired Daryl Morey just, just for that. We'll, we'll, yeah, we'll get he, the social distancing a- out of here. We'll just have a parade for Daryl Morey. Haven't I won anything him, yet. <laughs> I, I mean, he's a brilliant GM, and there's no doubt, but I'm telling you, those comments with uh, with Hong Kong really angered the owner oh, here. Oh, for sure. And, and that's, a, that's a big deal to a businessman like T- Tillman Fertitta who made his money. He's a self-made billionaire. It's not like he you know, inherited you know, daddy's trust fund like James Dolan. So that's a big deal here in Houston, what happened. <laughs> with Hong Kong and what happened with uh, with Tillman and, and Daryl Morey and the Hong Kong tweet that started it all before the season. Yeah, uh, and you know, that, that's that's it right there. It'll be real interesting to see what happens, but we have more games. We have some more games to see yep. if the Rockets can pull off a, a pretty miraculous upset on the Los Angeles Lakers. It's not looking great, but with the Rockets, we always have to say this, we may not trust it, but we know the possibility exists for them to outplay anybody any any given night. And you can say it's just the three-pointers. You can say it's James Harden. You can say it whatever you want. There is a variable with the Houston Rockets that doesn't exist with many other teams. Even if you don't trust them at all, you know it's a possibility they can win any game. So we'll see what happens. Yep. I mean, they, they could shoot their way into any game. They also could you know shoot their way out of any game. It just depends on which team shows up that night. Yeah, and we've seen both ends of it. But anyways, let's get to football while we were really here. We're really here for the start of football season, we want to do a preview of sorts. So uh, real quick, Jake, I told you I'd save this for this moment. Again, Jake Asman of Sports Map Radio with me. We did an over-under preview podcast of sorts two years ago now. And I want you to guess, because I actually went back and looked, even though it was two years ago, not one year ago, how we did. I wanted to see, you know what I mean? And I listened to it. Some great reasoning. I'll tell you that much. Great reasoning out of both of us. But how do you think uh, you fared in your picks two years ago? <laughs> Uh, it's like an impossible question. It's yeah, so, two so years long ago, ago. If it was last year, I'd have a better feel. I don't know what we were talking about. I don't even know. Ago. I don't even know what happened. I just listened back to the episode earlier, so I know now. But and I do. I, I'd imagine I didn't do great just because, like you know, anyone like picking is hard. Like anyone thinks <laughs> that thinks they have the answers to this stuff. Like like they, you don't. There's a reason why very few people on the planet make money actually gambling long term. So you went two, two, and one. That's actually not terrible. That's not bad right there. So you had two, two, and one. You had two uh, re- really well-thought-out picks, and then you had a push with uh, the Bills. They were six. They had a six over-under, and they they pushed on six. Uh, so that doesn't, you know. What were the wins? So you had Texans over eight and a half, which was a great okay. pick. I think they won 10 or 11. Uh, you had the Raiders. Yeah, they Raiders. started three and then had a nine-game winning streak, and they finished 11 and five. Yep. Exa- yep, that's exactly correct. You had the Raiders under seven and a half. That was right after they traded Cleo Mack. You were like, lock it in, ASAP Ferg, do it. And uh, <laughs> that was a hit. And then you had the Vikings over 10, which did not hit because they underperformed. I think they were eight, seven, and one that year. And then Titans under eight was an L as well because they went nine and seven. Wow. 
Damn, Marcus Mariota burned me one last time. Dude, finds a way. Finds a way. And then I actually, I was real close to you. I, I was three and two, and I was feeling real good about myself because my first three were correct. And I was like, Psh, I probably went five and now. It's whatever. And then I had, the, I had the Cowboys under eight and a half, which was an L. And the Giants over seven. They were five and 11. Freaking home. New York Giants. Unbelievable. That was so, the all in to win for Eli one last time here. Yeah, uh, that, I was also cr- uh, crying on that episode how the Giants didn't draft a quarterback. So that that was still it's not as much of a conversation today as it was two years ago. But obviously, Danny buckets, Danny Dimes has to you know prove himself. So, man, hindsight, you could have had Darnold and maybe OBJ still here. Who knows? Who knows <sighs> how things would have been different? And OBJ in the news. He's had him. He's having a real <laughs> crappy day, as I tweeted out earlier. <laughs> I was just going to leave it there, and you know, people can take that however they want. Uh, it was tough trying to discuss that elephant in the room on the radio earlier. I was just made a couple of jokes, and I'm like, if you want to know more, just Google it. I can't really get into it on the radio. Yeah, I saw. I saw allegedly, the, of course, the, you got to throw that out there. The play of words. Yeah, right. Allegedly, really saves the day there. Uh, I saw a good play of words: defecation of character. I haven't heard that one yet. I feel like I've heard most of them. That one I have not heard. That's good. Well played. Well played by that person. I saw it twice out there already. So, you know, you never know who really started the joke, who thought of it, who didn't. But anyways, <laughs> let's get into it. Um, and I, I just want me, I, I'm assuming neither of these two teams are in your, your pick. So what we're going to do is we're going to pick five over-unders each, which will help us talk about a bunch of teams and whatnot. Uh, did you pick the Jets or Giants in, in either of your over-unders? I mean, I can. No. Uh, we, we can break it That's down fine. real quick. I, I, I see the Jets and Giants both at six and a half. I, I, I think the number is right. Like, I don't like either number there to really have a feel, like if I was going to gamble on it. But if I'm just going to give a pick for the sake of the pick, I'd go over on the Jets six and a half. I think they're probably a seven to nine team. Because I think Dar- – I, th- I look at it like this. Yes, the schedule's harder this year. But with the Jets, Darnold missed three games last year. And they still ended up going seven and nine. And I just think if Sam takes a big step forward in his third year, and and most importantly, if he plays all 16 games, I think the line is better. I think the skill position players have a chance to be slightly better than what everyone thinks, especially if Mims comes on as a rookie and Herndon, who I love, stays healthy at tight end. I think the Jets could be a little better than six and a half. I think they're seven and nine, dare I say eight and eight. So I, I don't think that's out of the question. So if I'm making a pick with the Jets, I'd go over. And with the Giants, I, I just – I don't think they have enough for me to feel confident going over. I think they're probably yep. six and 10. So I, 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 I don't feel good about either one of those picks, but I think the giants are about a six win team. Like they, you know, the, what the giants would go they five and 11 last year, four and 12. Oh, and 16. Okay. Yeah, so I, <laughs> no, so, of course they had some nice weeks last week, last year, but yeah, yeah. I, you know, I like Daniel Jones. I just wonder like how much is really around him this year. And, you know, I, I have concerns about that defense. So yeah, I think they got it right with the numbers. I really do. I think the Jets are probably seven or not seven or eight wins, and I think the Giants are probably six or seven ones. That's fine, and that's fine. I mean, that's why I wanted to ask off the jump because we could kind of just use this moment to talk about them. Then we'll like you know really dive into our specific pick. So I'll, I'll say this with the Giants: that number sucks. Like that number, as a fan trying to bet on it, it's really a tough number to to bet. And like you said, they're spot on. Six and ten seems like really perfect, but. If you have any sort of positive thoughts about the Giants right now, seven and nine is a real possibility. It's it's semi unlikely just because the Cowboys and Eagles should be much better than the Giants. So to see the Giants be the third place team with seven wins might be tough. But there is a path for Daniel Jones to take a great step with the health of those receivers. Um, even though I think Golden Tate just got banged up again, but Sterling Shepard, Darius Slayton, and Ever Ingram being healthy with healthy Saquon can lead to just production that. Daniel Jones didn't have around him last year. So there is a yeah. path for them to be better. But 
the confidence in going over six and a half for the Giants for me just isn't there enough to touch it. So I would say just don't do it. <laughs> just, just stay away from the Giants. I, I see the path, right? I mean, yeah. Daniel Jones takes a big leap in the second year, takes better care of the football, less fumbles. And, you know, the team around him, I think, is better. There's a path to seven. Like, seven wins is not crazy. Like, that's the difference in a couple close games here or there. Like, you're, you're not that far away to go seven and nine. I watched it with the Jets last year. It started one and seven and finished seven and nine. Like, it, like, it, like winning games in the NFL is a very fine line between winning and losing. So I can see the path. Phil Rivers. <laughs> like, exactly, right? Like, I could see the path for nine and seven with the Giants. I really could. It depends on how good Daniel Jones is in his second year. Just like the Jets could be 10 and six, you know, if they build upon what they did last year. If Darnold is, is a lot better than what we think he is. Like, I think Sam has a chance to be a really good quarterback in the NFL. I, I, love, I love him. But I just worry about him staying healthy. And I want to see it over a full 16 games. But I think if Sam is healthy and is as good as I think he could be, I think the Jets could be a playoff team with an extra playoff spot in the NFL this year. There's always a team that comes out of nowhere to get a playoff spot. Now there's an extra wild card spot. So why not? I think both the Jets and Giants, their goal should be to be playing meaningful games late into the year trying to compete for a playoff spot. A hundred percent. And that leads me into what's going to be my first pick, actually. And, And, you know, usually I would allow my guests to go first. But in this specific case... I actually am locking in the Jets over. So I've done it already in real life. I, you know, living in New Jersey over here, I've been perusing the DraftKings Sportsbook for a minute. And uh, I saw the Jets at six and a half, and I was like, so we're thinking they're going to be worse than they were last year? Like they had the worst luck. Sam Darnold missed games. He saw ghosts. And this narrative now has carried uh, the Jets' outlook outside of New York because some Jets fans, a little too much, if you ask me. But the Jets are likely to be at least seven and nine again. And I, I don't really understand uh, a lot of the Jets hate. I don't understand the Donald hate. I think it's all narrative driven and unfair. The dude's a playmaker. He's got a few more pieces around him now. Nothing too incredible. Still, they need plenty of work on the wide receiver core and et cetera. Uh, but Sam Darnold is a guy who has shown to lift guys up and make those plays when they matter most, despite what you think about Bono and about seeing ghosts. So I actually have locked in the Jets over six and a half. I think seven and nine is a great target, and I think this team is a 500 team. And Gase has proven kind of, kind of, because it's, you know, there's a lot of people don't like Gase, but he keeps teams in games, even if he's simultaneously holding them back. So I think eight and eight is like a perfect uh, marker for the Jets this year. It's not crazy. I mean, they went seven. And, you made a great point, Peter. I think it's worth repeating. They went seven to nine last year, and Luke Falk started three games. And they lost all those games and scored an average in those games less than a touchdown. They, they, they scored one offensive touchdown on a trick play with Vincent Smith week three against the Eagles. That was their only points. They scored with Luke Falk running the offense. So, you know, when you put things in perspective, week one against the Bills, they blew a 16-0 lead last, last year. Darnold was off in that game, and we find out why. He played the game with Mono, and he was sick. Next three games, he doesn't play at all. And they rally from a 1-7 and seven start to finish 7-9. and nine. They have good coaching with Greg Williams on the defensive side of the ball. They get every Williamson back in the middle. I, I like Marcus May playing that Jamal Adams role on defense this year, and I think Le'Veon will be better on offense. Their line, which was probably the worst in the league last year, I think is a lot better this year now that Douglas got a chance to really mold it into his own. Makai Becton looks like a stud. Like It's not crazy to think the Jets go 8-8, eight 9-7. Eight, like they, they were not that far away last year. They, they didn't blow games to the Bengals and the Dolphins. 7-9 is actually 9-7, so – Never that far off in the NFL. So six and a half, I'm making a pick. I'd go over too. 
There you go. And yeah, I always try to preface it. Like, I'm not a Jets fan. I, I'm a Giants fan by trade, and I made the mistake two years ago with you of picking the Giants over under. Like, this is not me about being a New Yorker. It's not about me, you know, still kind of rooting for the Jets, even though I'm a Giants fan. I truly just think Sam Darnold is completely undervalued right now, as when people talk about quarterbacks in the league. Even from a fantasy perspective, it's like, this dude has been making plays when he's on the field and has any sort of help. So, like, let's see it happen. This could be a year where it comes to fruition. But, Jake, without further ado, why don't you give me uh, your first pick for over-under this year? My first pick for over-under this year. All right, here we go. Or whatever order right. you please. Your your most favorite pick, your least favorite pick, doesn't matter. Yeah, here we go. All right, I am going to take the Tampa Bay Buccaneers over at 9.5. I'm a big believer over. in Tampa. They went 7-9 and nine last year with Jameis Winston throwing 30 interceptions. They, in total last year, Pete, had not one, not two, not three, not four, but 41 total turnovers. <laughs> 41. Tom Brady in his career, I don't think, has ever had double-digit interceptions more than like once or twice. I think the most Brady's ever thrown in his career is 14. So by accident, Brady taking care of the ball probably guarantees the Bucs a couple extra wins. Plus, they have a better defense. Their defense will be put in better positions this year because they're going to have, you know, way better field position because Brady's not going to turn it over. Like the Bucs finished the year last season strong. Then the last two games of the season, Jameis Winston lost the game against the Texans. And I forget who they played in week 17, but it was very fitting because it was like a walk-off interception in that game too. Like by accident, the Bucs should be better than seven and nine. I see their total at nine and a half. I don't know how they don't go at least 10 and six with Brady and the weaponry they have, plus another year, you know, uh, with that defense and Todd Bowles' system. I think the Bucs at over nine and a half, that's one of my favorite bets. I just don't see, unless Brady gets hurt, but I, I just don't see how the Bucs don't win more than, more than, you know, at least 10 games or more this year. Well, the only thing that really gives me pause here is that, A, they're most likely not the best team in their division, for starters, and then B, the Falcons are always going to be, while they have Matt Ryan and Julio Jones, one of those teams that if they did turn it around, you wouldn't be shocked. So I think there's some more competition in that division uh, than we thought, even though the Panthers are pretty much out of the conversation here. But, I mean, your your thought process is 100% completely valid, and it's hard to argue against it. I think you either take the over on the Bucks, or – don't. you know what? I'm stuck because the – the reluctant part of me is like, all right, everybody's hyping the Bucks up. Everybody's on the Brady wagon. Everyone's on the Gronk wagon. They're, they're back. They're so talented. They're down to that. They're going to underperform. That's just like the skeptic in me that pops up all the time. But when you... Can you picture you, Brady on a team that underperforms? Like, maybe they don't go 12-4, and four, but, like, they're not going to be at least 10-6 and six with Tom Brady. I just... Uh, maybe I've been tortured saying. so much by the guy, I just don't see it. Uh, yeah, and that's why I'm so torn. It's like, the skeptic in me wants to go against them. But then I think about all the reasons you laid out. I'm like, yeah, no, I agree with that. No, I agree with that. No, I agree with that. They're deep at running back. They're deep at this. They're deep at this. Like, oh, yeah, no, they're a good team. They should win. They should win some games. So I like the pick. Right. Um, very nice. So my next pick, I already had the Jets for my first one. So this will be my second pick of the year. Uh, and I th- I'm going, again, I got burned on it when we did this two years ago. But I'm going Cowboys under. I think 10 is too high. I think at minimum, we, we walk away with a push here if it's 10 on the dot. Uh, but I think the under for the Cowboys is a hit here. And part of that is because I like the Eagles better. So it's kind of a two-part pick. I think the Eagles nine and a half over Cowboys 10 under just because I have the Eagles winning the division. So a semi two-parter there. I just think new coach, no camp, all this stuff, even though Dak has talent. um, I just think the Eagles are going to win the division. And that makes me like the Cowboys under there because Carson Wentz, 
is like the leader of the Sam Darnold category of undervalued. I don't get the hate on this guy. He he wins with nobody around. His his right. team was depleted last year, and the Cowboys have all the talent in the world, and we're one in six against playoff teams last year. So who do you really have more confidence in? Carson Wentz to lift bad guys or Dak Prescott to be mediocre with good guys? Good call there. Yeah, I like that pick as well, man. And so my my next one going off of that is going to be the Green Bay Packers over eight and a half. Listen, do I think they're this great team? No, but they won 13 games last year in the first year of Aaron Rodgers being in a new offense. Like, I, I think you have a highly motivated Rodgers after they drafted his heir apparent in the first round. I think the Green Bay defense is is better than people are giving it credit for. Are they going to go 13-3 and three this year? Probably not, but eight and a half? They're going to lose that? I mean, are they not still, to me, a 10-win football team? So I just think the disrespect for the Packers, a bit over the top. A lot of it probably having to do with, you know, the lasting memory we all have of them is getting blown out in the NFC title game. But I think they're better than an 8.5-win football team. So over eight and a half, Green Bay, my second pick. I, mean, I love that pick. It's simple because... Like, like the Vikings are now a little bit more hyped. They have a, a nine over under. So they're technically projected to be on top of that division, even though, you know, the, the, I mean, the Packers had it under locks all of last season. There is this weird narrative thing that you were just touching on where, you know, they were so hot, but then people were able to pick holes based off schedule. And like, was their defense really that good? Or were they playing trash teams? It's like, no, however you skin the cat, this team won a lot of games throughout like they just they won games and the professionalism of Aaron Rodgers where it comes into play he's not your fantasy quarterback anymore but he's still your winning quarterback Aaron Rodgers and, and he's on a mission he's made it pretty clear that he's confident and you know he's he's doing what he has to do with Jordan Love even though he's now the third string quarterback but Rodgers feels like he's reaching this point of his career where he's just going to just be that consistent guy rather than the super flashy numbers, the incredible arm talent stuff. He's going to be a get-the-job-done guy. And if you don't think he's winning nine games, I, I mean, I would have to disagree with you. So I like that pick a lot. Um, there you go. Yeah. Your next one. My next pick is – so I, I, let me just clarify. I did kind of pick the Eagles and the Cowboys there, Eagles over, Cowboys under. So I'll count yeah. both of those. And my next pick is, is actually is staying in the division as well. And it's kind of similar to what I did with the Cowboys when I'm going under here. I'm going under on the Bears. I, I'm doing it again, and, and here's pretty simply why. I like the Packers. I like the Vikings more. Why, like, why should I trust that the Bears are going to be able to win enough games? I also am a Lions truther, a Stafford truther, if you will. So when I just look around the division and those wins start to add up across the division there, I can't put my trust in the Bears. They, they still don't know what the hell's going on at quarterback. I can't trust them to score. I can't trust any of their guys to be on my fantasy team. They're just a team I don't have a lot of faith in, and I think a lot of people feel that way. And, and the number at eight right there is probably pretty close. I don't think they're a slouch. I think I still think they're a tough, a hard-fought seven-win team. But looking around the division, Lions better than people think, uh, Packers and Vikings better than the Bears, I don't see a good route for the uh, Bears to get nine wins, so I'm going under on the Bears. I like that pick a lot. I agree with you. That's actually, you know, to to make another one of my picks here, my fourth pick, I, I have the Bears under as well. I, I just don't believe in Mitch Trubisky. And even though Nick Foles is there now, and I'm sure at some point if Trubisky struggles, they'll go to Foles because that's why they brought him in. I just don't know if I love the fact that Foles is now yet on another team. It's a weird year. He didn't have OTAs. He's not getting a chance to play in the preseason. I, I just, I don't love what I'm hearing out of Chicago with everything. And I just don't know. I, I think the Bears defense, while it's still very good, I just don't know what to expect from them offensively. And 
eight eight is a is a is a tall test. I think they're probably closer to like a seven and nine team. So if I'm going to make a play there, I'm with you, Pete. I'd go under on the the Bears for sure as my next pick. Absolutely. And uh, all right, so this is actually going to be my last pick here. So this is my fifth pick. I have the Jets, the Eagles on the over, Cowboys, Bears on the under. I guess this is my fifth one here. I, I snuck up yeah. on myself right there. And this one is 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 really hard for me because I feel very confident in my reasoning, but on the flip side, I feel not as confident in their competition. Eh, how do I phrase that? Their division's good. Is that, is that how I say it? Their division is really good, but I really like this team. I like the bounce back vibe. I like the uh, continuity. Continuity is a big thing this year. It's what it's all about. Quarterbacks who know the system, who know their coach, coaches who know their players will have a better time faring without preseason, without as much contact reps. And that's the Los Angeles Rams. They're due for a bounce back. They flirted with signs of being the team we thought they could be last year, but then they also looked like hot garbage. I think McVay, a year removed from the Super Bowl, uh, the Super Bowl hangover is gone. They're refreshed. Goff is feeling better. I think the Rams can go over eight and a half pretty easily. It just makes me nervous that the Niners are so good, the Seahawks are so good and trustworthy, and the Cardinals are pretty frisky. So that's why I get nervous there, but eight and a half for the Rams feels like a layup for me, and that's my my absolute lock of the day. Rams over eight and a half. I like that pick too. I, I'm not going to play it just because I think it's dangerous with how good that division is, but I, I agree with you on the Rams. I think they're kind of being underrated and, and overlooked. I mean, it's not that long ago they went to the Super Bowl. They had the Super Bowl hangover last year, but you look at what the Rams did. If the playoffs, by the way, were expanded last year to what they are this year, the Rams were a playoff team last year. So that just puts things in perspective with the expanded playoffs. So uh, my next pick is going to be right here where I'm based in Houston. The Texans being only at seven and a half, I think is a huge mistake. This is one of my favorite plays. I love the Texans over seven and a half. And I'll tell you why. One, Bill O'Brien, other than the year Deshaun Watson tore his ACL, has never had a losing season as the Texans head coach seven and a half would be a losing season. Right. So Bill O'Brien in his career with the likes of Brock Osweiler and Ryan Fitzpatrick and Brian Hoyer mustered nine and seven win seasons. Okay. Nine and seven. The Texans are at seven and a half. It's not even eight and a half. We're, we're talking about just winning being eight and eight or better. You have Deshaun Watson to me he's a top eight quarterback in the NFL. I understand Hopkins is not there but the Texans defense should be a little better this year. I also think, you look at the Houston Texans with Deshaun Watson. They never get blown out. They find ways to win close games. You could say whatever you want about Bill O'Brien, the GM. Bill O'Brien, the head coach, is an above-average NFL head coach. And I, I think even without Hopkins, you still have Will Fuller. You have Brandon Cooks. You still have Kenny Stills. We'll see what David Johnson can do in that backfield if he can stay healthy. Duke Johnson's still there. I love under very underrated unit on the Texans is their tight end room. Uh, tight end room. Look for Jordan Atkins to have another big season um, playing that role. They have a, a second-year player who didn't play at all last year, Kahali Waring, who could see some time this year at tight end. They have a really good tight end role that no one talks about. So I just think seven and a half is a bit too disrespectful for a, a team that over the last two years has won double-digit games with Deshaun Watson. If Watson's healthy, I don't see how the Texans aren't better than an eight-win football team. So I love, love the Texans at over seven and a half. Dude, can you believe this number I'm about to read you right now? Houston Texans, third best odds to win the AFC South at plus 350 with the Colts and the Titans both in the plus 100 uh, rank right there. I mean, we're Phil Rivers? We're trusting Phil Rivers over here over Deshaun Watson? 
Come get come. What is up with that? Like people love to talk about Hopkins, and I get it. I, it was a, it was an egregious trade, but yeah, it was kind of the, egregious. But yeah, but the thing I'll say about it is Deshaun. It's not like Deshaun Watson is not capable of, of picking up guys around him. Like I watched them do it in college. I watched them do it last season. It wasn't like the Texans only threw to DeAndre Hopkins. And if you look at Hopkins yards per catch, it actually went down two yards this past year. Like I, I think the Texans were dumb for trading them. Don't trading him. Don't get me wrong. I, I've ripped it many times. And I've been asked about it a million times, but I think the idea that the Texans are going to go from, you know, what were they 10 and six last year to under eight wins just because they traded Hopkins. I think that's ridiculous. I really do. So I, I like the Texans over seven and a half. And I actually, if I'm going to make a play. I like them to win the division as well. Yeah. I think Tennessee is going to take a step back. I don't trust Tannehill to stay healthy over a full season because he never has. And I also don't love, this narrative that because Philip Rivers is now playing for Frank Reich, he's magically going to be good again. I mean, I watched the guy last year that just looked done. So until I, you know, I'd see Philip Rivers play great in that offense, I'm not ruling out the Texans doing what they've done the last two years, which is win the division. Hey, I'm, I'm with you. And I actually, I'm sitting here with my phone open. I wanted to double check the numbers before I said it to you with my DraftKings sportsbook open. I'm like, I, th- I might put this bet in right now on the air with you. I might just have to do it. Like, plus 350, that value is incredible. Uh, my question is, like, we have all these different data points, right? We have uh, Vegas stuff with just spreads and over-unders. We have eye test stuff with a bunch of different analysts and experts. And then we also have fantasy football. Why is Deshaun Watson only looked at as, like, this fantasy player who's a, gr- a top-five fantasy quarterback? He's That means he's going to be winning games, too. Like, he's one of those dudes like Carson Wentz uh, I hope Sam Darnold is more like Deshaun Watson than not as his uh, career progresses. Deshaun Watson's an absolute gamer. Like, he doesn't give up games. You're in every single game. And he's proven last year probably most that it's not all about DeAndre Hopkins. He can do it with anyone. In fact, you can argue Will Fuller was kind of like the linchpin in that office last year when he was healthy and he was running. That team was crazy good. Right. So why are we now saying, oh, Deshaun Watson's still going to put up numbers and be Deshaun Watson and do really good, but his team's going to stink? Like, that doesn't add up to me. Yeah, I, I think that's a, that's a bad number. And stink, I think you're stinks, right. Stink's Deshaun a bad Watson. word, obviously. Stink's a bad word, but you know what I mean. Yeah, no, I mean, like, I, I think Deshaun Watson is going to continue to get better as well. I mean, let's not forget, you know, this is a player that is now entering his fourth season in the league. You know, he, he is, you know, taking the reins of being a franchise quarterback in the NFL. In fact, I would love, to, to see what the updated odds are on Deshaun Watson for MVP. Because I think when you look at the MVP voting, usually there's uh, a narrative that has to be present if you're going to win the award. Like there has to be a storyline that develops. I'll use the NBA as an example. Westbrook, the year he won the MVP, you know, his team was the fifth seed in the West, but Durant had just left and he averaged a triple-double. You had to give it to him. Should Harden have probably won it that 100%. year? 100%. Yeah, but guess what? <laughs> The, the narrative is that Westbrook did this amazing thing. The national narrative, even though I disagree with it, is that the Texans are going to be so much worse because they traded Hopkins. I think they're worse, but I think it's a bit extreme how people talk about the Texans, like as we just discussed, a seven and a half over under, I think it's disrespectful. So I, I, I think the narrative is there where if Deshaun continues to get better, like he's been it, from second year to year three last year to year four this year, the narrative is being painted that if he has this amazing season and the Texans win 11 games, He's going to get a lot of MVP loads. So I love kind of a little flyer bet on a long shot MVP in, in Deshaun Watson as well. Yeah, he's plus 2,000. He's the sixth highest odds. So it's, he's still up there in the conversation right now. But that's part of my point where like these things aren't connecting to me. You put the Texans at seven and five, yet you think he has the sixth best MVP odds? 
that doesn't add up because if he's the MVP, yeah. the, the Texans are winning that division. So there's I think it's a defense. Uh, there's concerns, obviously, about O'Brien, but I think what's happened is there, there's so much negativity about Bill O'Brien, the GM. It's allowed people to think that Bill O'Brien, the head coach, is like Todd Bowles or you know, Rich Cotide or any other horrendous <laughs> jet coach that we've seen in our <laughs> lifetimes. Like he, he's a he's an above average NFL head coach. Like I'm sorry, you go nine and seven with Brock Osweiler, Ryan Fitzpatrick, Ryan Hoyer. You go to the playoffs, you're you know, the two years you've had a healthy franchise quarterback in Deshaun Watson, like you're doing something right. Like it, like you asked me as a Jet fan, would I take Bill O'Brien as my head coach? I, I sign up for him in a second, in a mm. second, like without even hesitation. I've watched every game he's coached here in Houston in the last two years. I mean, like the way people discuss Bill O'Brien as if he's, you know, one of the worst coaches in the league, as if he's Pat Shermer or someone else that's been bad over the <laughs> Just years. Just bashing I think your coaches right now. I'll tell you what, if the Jets hired him to be the head coach, don't let him be the GM. Yeah. The head coach, I have no issue with Bill O'Brien, the head coach. I think he's an above average head coach. It's it's yeah, it's a it's a good point by you. And and Jake, I think you have one more pick to make before we, we start to say goodbye here. Yeah, last pick to make. Uh, I'm going out to uh the West Coast for this one. The Chargers at eight wins. I'm going under. Under on the Chargers. I don't love Tyrod Taylor. I think he's mediocre at best. I think that's a that's a tough division that the Chargers are in. I think Denver's improved. I, if I was going to make a pick on Denver, I'd go over on their win total. I think the Raiders are improved. So I think that's going to be a dogfight for the Chargers in their two games. Obviously, the defending champs in Kansas City are in that division. Plus, I think what's going to happen with the Chargers is this. At some point, they're going to make the move to play Justin Herbert. Mm. And there's going to be growing pains when they make that decision. So I, I see this team probably finishing 6-10, and 7-9. and nine. So for that reason, I go under 8 with the Chargers for my final pick. And for that reason, I'm out. <laughs> now I like that too. I think the Herbert point, the, the Herbert point is the one that uh, you got to you know keep your eye on there because, like you said, if they turn to him, that probably means they're not off to a great start. Because if Tyrod Taylor's four and zero, he's not coming out. So if they right. make that switch and you expect it to happen, getting to nine wins is going to be really really hard. Uh, so in recap, real quick, Jake's picks: Tampa Bay over nine and a half, Green Bay over eight and a half, Bears under eight. Texans over seven and a half and chargers under eight. Is there one pick you regret yet? <laughs> like when it leaves your mouth, did you just go? Ugh, Cause I, I do that all the time. Um, no, I feel, I feel good about the picks I have here. Now I'll probably, we'll probably revisit this two years from now. I guess that's <laughs> a new thing. And I'll be like, what did I do again? Oh, I went Oh, and five. Well, great. But no, I, I feel good about my picks. There were a couple other ones I was eyeing, but I couldn't pull the trigger. Like I, I just, I couldn't pull the trigger on the chiefs at 11 and a half. Like I think they're going to win at least 12 games, but like when you talk about a number that high, it's just, it's, there's no value in picking that. Right. So right. like, you know, I, if I'm going to make another pick on a team, I think is under, I think the bills are, are going to disappoint. I don't know if they're going to be, you know, you know, under nine wins or maybe they're eight and eight, but like if I'm making a pick on the bills, I go under nine. I, I just think now that there's actual expectations on this team, I want to see how they handle it. Now that they're expected to win the division, right. now that Josh Allen's in his third year and they got him Stephon Diggs and all this, people talk about the Jets' schedule from last year being a cupcake schedule. The Bills had the same exact schedule. Who did they beat? Their great wins were over the Titans before they made a move uh, to Ryan Tannehill. They beat the um, the, the, the crappy Cardinals, who were, like, were still struggling with Kyler Murray at the time, and they had one other win that you look at and go, yeah, it's not that great. I, I just think Buffalo was vastly overrated. And until I see Allen take this big step, I'm not buying the Bills. They also don't have this great home field advantage this year because mm. of not having fans in Buffalo. I think that affects them. And I, I just think 
you look at this team, until I see someone not named Bill Belichick win the AFC East, I'm not picking against the Patriots. I bet they still win the AFC East. So that's just my thoughts on that division in particular. Fantastic. I mean, it's tough. I In the, you know, the Jersey sports books I was perusing, they actually have two different over-unders for a lot of teams. So they have like the normal one, and then they have one with like some juiced odds. So they had the Bills at, I think it was like eight and a half. But with regular odds, and then they had nine and a half, like plus one ninety or something like that. And I may have thrown a shekel on the pl- over nine and a half just for funsies, because there is a path for them to be ten and six and win that division. But it ain't going to be easy. And like I said, you, like you said, I mean, can't count out the Patriots no matter what, as long as Bill checks in the building. Um, Jake Asman, this has been great fun. Uh, we have to do this more often, I think, actually. But before we say goodbye, and you take care of what you got to do, and I got to do what I got to do. You have any last words for the Subway Sports Talk, Sports Talk podcast? It could be a plug. It could be an excite, exciting topic in the NFL. Whatever you want to say right now, let it rip. J E T S Jets Jets Jets. He went what? Second playoffs. Let's go. <laughs> I love it. Uh, Jake Asman at Jake Asman at Jake Asman Show Sports Map Radio nine A to eleven A Eastern Standard Time. Got that right on the backside. And uh, you're dope. You do great stuff. You put great content on Instagram as well. So if you're not able to listen from 9 to 11 every morning, check out Jake everywhere else on his website, on his Instagram, all that stuff. Some great interviews, some great topics. As always, Jake, my pleasure. Pete, appreciate you having me on the show, my friend. And uh, next time I'm back in New York, we got to get together for a drink or two. Dude, and maybe maybe we do the podcast in person. As you can see, my, my lovely studio over here. I'm looking around. I've been wearing a sweater uh, with a big hood on it all day. I finally took it off. And maybe I should get dressed and have myself a day. But <laughs> maybe in quarantine, we'll end at some point and we'll do a pod in person one time. Yeah, or we'll just you know we'll sneak down to three forty five Hudson Street and we'll use one of the studios there, right? You still got you, you still work there, so you got the access to get in. My intercom car, my intercom card, I don't think works anymore. Oh my god! You know, I I worked my last shift there was the night the NBA got canceled. The night Gobert got tested positive for coronavirus was the last time I was at the fan. You know, just based off a whole other bunch of circumstances. Uh, but I haven't been back since. I'm hope I'll, I think I'll be back during football season. But I do technically still work at the fan. <laughs> you do. I, you know, I'm on furlough from my uh, broadcasting position at uh, Lifetime Fitness, where I do some like play-by-play for the rec league they have yeah. there. So technically, I still am an employee, even though you know I haven't been there since the night Rudy Gobert tested positive. Yeah. Don't don't tell Paul Rosenberg, but I still work at the fan. <laughs> My lips are sealed. (laughs) All right, Jake Aspen, man. As always, a pleasure. This is Subway Sports Talk. Hopefully you like what you've been hearing. If you do, subscribe, rate, review on Apple Podcast apps, wherever you do with your podcast stuff. I appreciate it always. Hit us on Instagram at Subway Sports Talk. And you have a great day. And enjoy the NFL's return.